Welcome to the Bluff First Podcast. We pray that this message would encourage and enrich your life. For more information, please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com. Amen. Good morning. Y'all are looking good today, and you're looking especially good because I left my glasses in my office between services, so you look great. Uh, We are delighted to have you here this morning. I know you've been welcomed a few times already. I just want to say welcome, man, means the world to us that you would give up a couple hours on your Sunday morning, on your weekend to be here with us. I hope you have felt welcome, and a lot of people put in a lot of work to try to make that be the case. Uh, If we haven't met by chance, my name is TJ. I'm the lead pastor here. I was a youth pastor here for about a decade, but I've been the lead pastor for the last five years, and we're having a lot of fun following Jesus. We've been in a series called uh, Deeper Waters, and uh, last week we talked about deeper freedom. If you have a Bible or a Bible app or Google on your phone, somebody. Uh, Matthew chapter 6 is where we're going to land. If you're the type of person that likes to read along in the same version, I'll be reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. How many are glad I'm reading it in English today? It's the only language I I know. So uh, this is part two of last week's uh, message, Deeper Freedom. There's a topic that I wasn't going to get into And the reason I wasn't going to dive into it is because I have a series planned for uh, later on in the next year or so. And so I thought, well, you know, I'll talk about that later. Um, And then just this week, I just couldn't really get away from it. And so I think it's timely for us. I think it's what the Lord is uh, speaking to us this morning. It's been a few years since I've uh, handled this text or this topic. And so let me just ask this. How many of you are new to Bluff First within the last three years? Much of the room. What about the last year? Anybody new in the last year? That's awesome. So look, if you think somebody hasn't talked to you yet, they don't know that you're new. They're new too, okay? So just meet somebody after service, hang out. Um, But I want to get into a subject that so many people are dealing with. And and to be honest, um, it's something that I have recently dealt with a small sample of for really the first time in my life. The last time I preached on this subject, I said, hey, guys, this is not something I deal with. But I know a lot of you are dealing with this. And, uh, and then recently, I've gotten just a small little um, bit of it. And so we want to look today at just the beginnings of finding freedom from anxiety. We're going to talk about what God's Word says about anxiety. Now, I told you my name is TJ. Those are the only initials in my name. There is no MD or anything else. I'm not a doctor. I'm a pastor, okay? Uh, I'm not an expert in mental health at all, but... God's Word talks about anxiety, and it's kind of my job to talk about what God's Word says. And so I know, um, just statistically, there are 40 million American adults, not counting uh, children and, and teenagers, 40 million adults dealing with anxiety disorders. Um, and those that are diagnosed with depression, though depression and anxiety are not identical, half of people diagnosed with depression also are diagnosed with Anxiety. So a lot of people are dealing with this. I don't think those numbers have gotten better since 2020, probably. And so my suspicion is there's a lot of people in this room this morning dealing with some form of anxiety. And so, again, I'm, I'm not an expert. Um, I, I just look at some of the information. I see that um, of the people who have been diagnosed, only about a third get help. So there's a lot of people suffering, a lot of people undiagnosed, and then even the people diagnosed two-thirds of them aren't getting the help that they need. And so what I'm not here to do this morning is give you an exhaustive 
explanation of anxiety and cover every single thing. What I'm not here to do is to give you medical advice or to try to tell you that you should start or stop taking medicine or that you don't need a doctor. You should, that's none of that. I'm here simply to look at what does God's word say about anxiety. And there are millions of people beyond those dealing with anxiety disorders that have anxious thoughts, that have chronic worry. And again, the last couple of years hasn't made that any better. So what I want to do this morning is encourage you, whether your, um, your battle is chemical or it's um, mental or it's spiritual or it's emotional, whether it's lifelong or it's trauma-based or it's a brand new battle in your life or even it's someone else in your family, in your circle, they're dealing with it and you need to be able to be a good friend to them. I just want to tell you there's hope. There's hope. You're not alone at all. In fact, it's almost the norm to be dealing with anxiety. Um, but God's word speaks about anxiety. Isn't that cool? Like it, it, in psychology and mental health, it seems like it's this new hot button thing that we spent centuries not talking about. And yet here we have the word of God addressing uh, this timeless struggle. Anxiety is not new. Uh, it didn't show up with the smartphone. It's getting worse with the smartphone, but it, it's been around as long as humanity has been around. And so we're going to look at what God's word says. And, and I mentioned a couple of years ago, I talked about this and I said, I've never really dealt with anxiety. Um, so I'd never had any anxiety. And then we had a couple of kids. And I can joke about that, but seriously, I went from not worried about anything to having this little girl and man, I'm worried about all kinds of stuff now. And you know, that's a smaller uh, thing, but then last Sunday I told you about my um, three flat tires in July and August, and um, there was actually a fourth, and I didn't tell you about that, but there's, there's a different kind of flat tire, and it's kind of um, triggered some anxiety in me that I've never experienced before. And so August 19th, I uh, was driving through town, um, you know, any other time, any other situation probably would have been fine, but it was lunchtime in Poplar Bluff. Y'all know what that's like, right? Some of y'all lose your Jesus, lunchtime in Poplar Bluff. And it was lunchtime in Poplar Bluff, and it had been super hot that morning, but it opened up and just started raining really hard. And I popped over a hill. There was quite a bit of traffic. I wasn't going fast, but as I came to a stop near the end of my stop, I lost traction, and it turned my truck sideways, and this is the end result of that. And so... Um, a lot of variables went into that accident, and I spent a couple weeks just honestly just aggravated, just mad. I, got, I lost my truck, you know, I got to deal with that, I got to replace that, I'm worried about the other driver, worried about everything had to do with that, and just aggravated. I took a different turn than I normally would take, and even before the accident, I was like, why did I go this way, and then that happened, and so I just spent like two weeks going, I could have did this, I could have did that, if I'd have been in a different vehicle, if it had been a different time of day, if I was going uphill instead of downhill, if it wasn't raining, blah, 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 and I was just really upset and aggravated about how it all happened, and then I started thinking about it a little bit more, and I thought, man, it's really kind of strange that I turned all the way sideways, and I thought, what if I hadn't turned all the way sideways? What if I had just slid like I initially started doing? That more than likely would have been driver door or head-on collision. And so really, I, I, I see God was good to me in turning me completely sideways and feeling totally uh, out of control because it could have been a lot worse. And I just got to be honest with you. Like, 
this is humbling and a little bit, as a man, just embarrassing to talk about. But I just want to be real. Can I be real with you this morning? Is that cool? Can we be real at church? I know, like, we all pretend we had a great morning. But, uh, like, I, I know better. I know accidents happen. I know it's fine. I, I know it's fine. But what I know in my head is not connecting to my body. And I'm driving, and it doesn't matter if traffic's busy. It doesn't, I mean, if anything that's a little off, lots of traffic or raining a little bit or getting dark or that same part of town, and I don't even realize I'm doing it. And a couple minutes later, I realize, like, I have been white-knuckling the steering wheel. I have been checking my mirrors, and I've been not breathing. <laughs> and I'll just... My wife could tell you, we'll just be driving and you'll just hear me go, <sighs> and I'm like, oh yeah, I gotta breathe. And this anxiety that I've never experienced in my life, and you know, it's all the thoughts of like, what if my kids were in the car? What if they had kids in the car? What if something could happen to me? What would, it's just thinking like, I feel like all that was a part of it. And this is so, so, so small compared to what so many of you deal with. I'm not pretending that my little car accident is the same as yours. I just feel like for the first time in my life, I have felt what it's like to have some anxiety. And it pales in comparison to what many of you are dealing with, but given a couple of months now, I don't enjoy it, I don't like it, but I'm counting it as a blessing and I'm trusting that God has given me just a glimpse of what it's like to have anxiety so that I can have more empathy and more compassion because honestly, I haven't always gotten it. I kind of go, oh, I'm so sorry you're going through that, but I didn't get it. And if it's what I have been experiencing, but worse, I'm so sorry. Um, And so I feel like God has kind of helped me to have some compassion and some empathy there. Ladies, uh, those of you that are in the ladies' small group, you heard uh, Paul Tripp say this last week. God will take you where you do not want to go to accomplish in you what you could not have accomplished on your own. And uh, I feel like that's kind of what the Lord's been doing in our life. There's a lot more to it than my car accident, but the last six months or so of uh, my, my family's life, I feel like that's what's been happening. God taking us where we don't want to go to do things in us that we didn't know we needed to accomplish what it is he's wanting to accomplish. And so, man, I see that, and I see I'm learning that, you know, while I love when everything is smooth sailing, and I love when God comes through and like the message in your group talked about, when he calms the storm, I love when the storm is calmed, but I'm learning that God's grace is not just when he calms the storm, right? Sometimes God's grace is the storm. Sometimes there's something he's doing in that difficult thing that I would have never picked, but that he is uh, doing. And so I already see how God's using that wreck and some of that to help other people and to give me more empathy and understanding and grace, and I need it. And so um, as we turn to Matthew, Matthew chapter 6, I'm not a doctor, I don't have chronic anxiety, but God's word offers wisdom into this complex issue, and um, we're going to look at that, and it's not exhaustive, I'm not going to be able to cover every single issue and every single question, but when the Bible was written, God already knew everything he knows now, and he already knew everything you're facing now, and he still thought, you know what, I'm going to talk about anxiety in my Word that I'm going to preserve for my people. And, and we're going to look at Matthew 6. It's Jesus himself 
talking about anxiety, and he doesn't say anything about not taking medicine or not seeing doctors or anything like that, but he does say some stuff about anxiety, and man, we believe at Bluff First that God's word is living, it's active, it's timeless, it's relevant, it's authoritative, it means something. When God speaks, we ought to listen. And so what does God's word say about anxiety? It's a decent-sized passage, but it's the only passage we're looking at today. Look at verse 25. Jesus has been talking to the disciples about about the realities of, man, it's so easy to get caught up in the here and now, but store up treasure in heaven, not on earth. And he's talking to them about perspective. And he says, therefore, I tell you, what's this word here? Do not be anxious about your life. That'd be a terrible place to end this sermon, right? Hey, are you anxious? (coughs) Quit it. Have a great weekend, you know? (laughs) Jesus says, don't be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, your clothing. These are two of the primary worries of a Sunday morning, aren't they? You woke up this morning, what will I wear? And right about now or in the next few minutes, it will become what are we going to eat for lunch today, right? Primary worries that we have. What are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? He says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? And then Jesus does something strange. He he tries to get us to take our eyes off of our worries and to a peculiar place. He says, look at, I'm thinking, look at the scriptures, look at the prophets, look at the, he says, look at the birds. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. You don't know, you don't know one farmer bird. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And he asks the question, which of you, I see you worrying, which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? What good is this doing you? Why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. Jesus is talking birds and flowers. Look at the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, King Solomon in all his glory wasn't arrayed. He wasn't beautiful like one of these. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the campfire small group, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles, the pagans, seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need. It's not that you don't need clothing. It's not, how many glad there's clothing here this morning, right? It's not that you don't need food. Your Father knows you need those things. And that's the context that verse 33, which many of us have heard, is written in. It's not that you don't need it, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. They will sort themselves out. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Tomorrow's got enough going on. You don't need it. And today's got enough going on. You don't need to bring tomorrow into today. So, again, 
not going to cover everything, not saying you're not going to struggle, not saying you don't still need medicine or doctor's help or whatever, but let's just agree on, hopefully we can agree on this from this passage. Jesus says a half dozen times, do not be anxious. So if you're note-taking today, can we just agree on this? God does not want his children to be anxious. Can we agree on that? I mean, how do we get there? That's a whole other question, but let's just start with this. God does not want us to be anxious. I'm not saying it's your fault. I'm not saying it's not understandable. I'm not saying you're not going to experience difficult things and that trauma and different things can't cause it, but let's be clear. Anxiety is not a desirable thing, right? We don't want it. God doesn't want it for us. And Jesus says, don't, don't be anxious about trivial things, clothing, food, plans, whatever. And he speaks about anxiety as if, as if it's something he'd rather not be present in our lives. And man, if God doesn't want me to have something, I don't want to have it, right? If God wants me to be free of something, I want to be free of it. So Jesus talks about it, and we start here with this fact that God doesn't want us to be anxious. Again, a terrible place to end the sermon. Like, that's it. God doesn't want you to, doesn't like it, so go home and stop it, right? Quit it. Some of you guys, um, I wouldn't say I'm dating myself because I'm pretty sure it was reruns already when I saw this, but uh, someone might be dating some of you. Remember Bob Newhart? He had a, a sketch once where he was a therapist. A girl came in with all these phobias, you know, and she would talk about all of her problems, and he'd look at her and he'd go, stop it. She's like, well, but I, I worry and I, I, I dwell and I think, and he goes, stop it. And that was all the advice he gave, right? Terrible therapist. Well, thankfully, Jesus doesn't just say, hey, stop it. He gives us real advice. And his advice starts with a shift in our perspective. It's not just, hey, you know, quit it, but it's actually begin to take what you're focused on and focus on something else. Jesus talks about the way that we see, the way that we think, because anxiety is a battle of the mind, right? It's not just being concerned for the future. That's normal. I have a test tomorrow, right? I have a big job interview. Those things are normal to spend some time acknowledging, right, thinking about. But when it becomes an unhealthy fear of the future, when we, you know, rehearse in our minds the worst case scenarios, all the terrible things that could happen, all the things people might say. Some of y'all done had eight arguments at work before you got to work. They were all up here and you won all of them, right? You won every single one. You told them what was a, he says, listen, what are you, what are you focused on? Don't focus on all of that. And this is hard for us because we're control freaks. Are there any control freaks here this morning? Okay. The rest of you are like, I ain't putting my hand up. You ain't telling me what to do. <laughs> we're control freaks. And it's hard to not think that if we worry about this, somehow that gives us some sort of control. We don't know what's going to happen, so we dwell on it thinking about the outcomes, and that gives us a certain sense of control. We don't have control. We're not in control. And so we wind up afraid, and you know, we, it, listen, can I tell you something? Even if you knew everything that's gonna happen, even if you somehow had tomorrow's newspaper and you did know everything that's gonna happen, you still wouldn't be able to do anything about most of it. You're not that powerful, and you're not that limitless. You're, you, you just can't do it. And so here we are trying to fix everything, prevent everything, and we're anxious, and God doesn't want us to be anxious because worry is worthless. Jesus says, look, it, which of you by being anxious can add an hour 
to your life. Tomorrow has enough trouble. What are, you, what, what are you doing? And so he reminds us how pointless it is for us to worry and to be anxious about things that we cannot control. Nobody has ever worried themselves to life, right? Lots of people have worried themselves to death. Nobody has worried themselves to a great night's sleep, right? Lots of people have worried themselves to a sleepless night. And so it's just basic, but it, Jesus goes, look, it's, it's like, think about it. It's fruitless. It's not helping you. And I know some of you are like, yeah, I know. I don't want to be anxious. So he's not being dismissive of that. We have enough to be concerned about, and we are going to think about certain things. But Jesus wants us to remember, worry is not going to add an hour to our lives. It could waste lots of hours. But we don't know the future. The things that we think are worst case scenario, half of them never happen. Think about that. We worry about stuff that doesn't exist. It never happened. And then the other half are things that we think are worst case scenarios, but we can't control them anyway. And sometimes they're even God's grace and God's work in our lives, these things that we would rather avoid or prevent. And so here we are and we recognize like we gotta be reminded by the word of God that worry is worthless and we gotta be reminded that he has better for us than to just be trapped in anxious worry. The things in my life that I would have avoided, I would have bypassed, I would have skipped over, I would have not liked to wreck my truck. These things are often what God is using to take us where we don't want to go, to do in us what he needs to do. And so Jesus says, hey, worry is worthless. It literally adds nothing. It steals almost anything. But again, those of us dealing with anxiety, we don't want to feel that way. We're not just going, yeah, I want to be anxious. And so where, does that, where is that line between I don't want to be anxious, um, Jesus tells me not to, that sounds easier than it is, versus how much of it can we actually control? Do we have any say-so in our thought life? Do we have any control over what we worry about? And Jesus says that we do because sometimes we're making a choice to lean into our worries, lean into our anxious thoughts, talk about them over and over and over, dwell on them over and over and over, and sometimes at best, we just escape them. So we're not thinking rightly about them, we're thinking negatively about them, and then when we decided enough is enough, we can't think about it anymore, we don't start thinking better, we just pull out our phone, turn on the TV, self-medicate somehow, have a drink, have whatever, and try to escape what we're worried about. There's gotta be a better way to escape. There's gotta be a better way to stop worrying and Jesus gives us the weirdest, look at the birds, look at the flowers. Well, that sounds nice, Jesus, but like, I got real problems here. He goes, yeah, yeah, I know you got real problems. They don't work, they don't have meetings, they don't have deadlines, they don't do anything. God takes care of them. Don't you realize they're not his children? They're not made in his image. They're not his prized possession. You are. And so if he takes care of the flowers and he takes care of the pigeons, he's going to take care of you. And you can stop worrying about a lot of the things that you're worried about. God does not want us to be anxious. Worry is worthless. But I think Jesus teaches us this. We don't need to necessarily just quit thinking about it, just stop it, just think less. We need to think rightly. So think right, not less. Okay? Think right, not less. You have things to be worried about. 
you're going to worry about them. Let's begin to think rightly about these things that we're worried about and see what God does. And so we have this reminder um, from Jesus that like, hey, this is a perspective issue. You gotta look around and see that God is in control. You gotta look around and see that God is generous. You gotta look around and see that God provides. And when you remind yourself how good God is and about how he provides, all of a sudden these worries kind of start to, we start to recognize how fruitless they are. One preacher said, um, sometimes we just need to read the Bible to our anxiety, right? Our anxiety is loud, it's speaking, it's in our ear. Sometimes we need to proclaim the truth of God's word over that anxiety, over that worry. And so whether you're worried this morning about tomorrow or about your kids or about your test results or about your big interview, whatever it is, take time to think rightly before you let anxiety do all the talking. Before you get so consumed by what the worst case scenario is or what everybody else thinks is going to happen or whatever, remember what God has said about you. You are my son. You are my daughter. I love you. Every good gift comes from me. I'm pleased to give you good things like any good father would. These are the things we have to remember and declare over our lives. The creator of the universe is with you. Like That's the story of the whole Bible. Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. I'm dealing with something. Yeah, God's with you. I'm facing something. Yeah, God's with you. I'm worried about this. Yeah, God's with you. You've got to remember that. Or even with the best medicine and the best doctor and the best counselor, you're still going to be crippled by worry because things come at you in life that you're not ready for. But there's not been a sparrow or a hummingbird hit the ground and God didn't know about it. How much more does he care for you? How much more does he know you? The Bible says the number, the, the hairs on your head are numbered. For some of us, used to be a few more in there, right? He doesn't have to count as high now, but he knows us greatly. I think this is um, good advice. I don't remember where I heard it, but when you're worried, make a list of all the things you're worried about. Write it all out, all the details, all the stuff you're, you're stressed out about. Then look at it and say, what on this list is beyond my control? Cross those things out. Leave them to God. You're going to have a much shorter list. And if those things are things you can control, by all means, go ahead and do something about those things. But the rest of it is not worth your time. It's not worth your energy. It's robbing your joy. It's robbing your sense of purpose. It's robbing your ability to minister to anybody else because you're so focused on this thing that you're worried about that you can't even control to begin with. So it's not just fruitless for you and wasting your time. It's hurting other people. Your worry is keeping you from doing what God wants you to do for the people around you. And so one of the best ways, and Jesus gives it to us, to get our thinking straight, to get our minds right, to, to ease some of our anxiety, is to get our priorities in order and to pursue God. I think the order part of this is important because, listen, a lot of us are worrying and anxious, and we're still trying to seek God. But we're not seeking him first. We're worrying first and then hoping that we can somehow you know, I'll keep going to church, I'll keep going to small group, maybe I'll just, Jesus says, listen, get the order right. Seek first the kingdom of God 
Seek God first. Seek me first. Seek his kingdom. Seek his righteousness. Then some of this other stuff is going to fall into place. And listen, when you're worried, when you're anxious, the last thing you feel like doing is worshiping. The last thing you feel like doing is getting up and reading your Bible. The last thing you feel like doing is praying. But it's in those moments where we choose to seek God first anyway that we begin to see that war being won a little bit in our mind. It makes a difference when you make that choice. And and the way that he helps us think rightly is right there in verse 33. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first his righteousness. Listen, some of us are struggling and worried about what's going on in our world. And I want to say this gently. The problem we have a lot of times, we're still consumed with our world because we're at the center of it. I mean, it's, it's very hard to, to not worry about a planet when you're the epicenter. It's very hard to not think this is going to go bad when you are the God of the planet. It's not going to go well. But when we get things in order, when God is first and others come before us, then all of a sudden, our world is not so shaky and so unstable because we're not at the center. We have something more dependable, more reliable, more concrete, more unchanging than our own little fickle hearts. God's word, God's presence, God's truth, that's what we need a life and a worldview centered on. Regardless of what's happening with us medically, regardless of what's happening with us chemically, we, we've got to seek God first. And Jesus doesn't just say, just seek him. He says, seek his kingdom, his work, what he wants to accomplish, and his righteousness. Now, if you're in Christ, you are the righteousness of God. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that he that knew no sin, Jesus, sinless Jesus, became sin, took on sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. So you and I are sinners. We are unrighteous. Jesus is sinless, perfectly righteous, He set that aside, put on flesh, put on sin, put on worry, put on anxiety, put on depression, put on fear, put on guilt, put on shame, put on everything, went to the cross in our place so that we could take those things off and become the righteousness of God, okay? So when it comes to that type of righteousness, that's already settled. If you're a Christian, you've been made righteous before God. But Jesus says you need to keep seeking his righteousness. What does that mean? That means God has a way of living. He has a standard. As unpopular as it is, there are things that God says are right and things that God says are wrong. And they're not because he's the fun police. It's because he wants us to enjoy and live life to the fullest and the best way to do that. Anything he demands of us is for our own good, for our neighbor's good, for his glory. He's not trying to ruin our parade. He's trying to protect us from ourselves. And so we are to seek continually, what does God say? What is his truth? What is right? What is wrong? What does he mean? What does he want? What are his ways? How should I think about this? And when we do that, the rest takes care of itself. Pastor Nate, if you come. And and when we do that, when we seek God first, everything else pales in comparison. When we love him and we prioritize him over all these secondary things, pursuits, those secondary things get smaller. There's an old song, right? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. 
look full in his wonderful face. And when you do that, the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. See, I can look over here and see you, Paul, but when I look over here, man, you're just barely in my periphery. I don't hardly see you anymore. And Jesus says, look, seek first the kingdom of God. Like, lift up your eyes. Look at what God is doing. Look at what God is saying. Look at what God wants. And when you do that, the things that you're anxious about get smaller and smaller and smaller. And so this morning, man, I just want to encourage you that while it sounds, it may be like, oh, it's a little pie in the sky just to tell me to stop worrying. Yeah, right. The reason that God has the authority to tell us to set aside our worry and our anxiety and our fear is because we serve a God who faced them head on. We don't have a Jesus who goes, man, that must stink to be human and to be afraid. Quit it. We, we serve a king who has felt everything we've ever felt. Isolation, abandonment, being made fun of, being lied about, being betrayed, violence, pain, death. He dealt with all of it. He conquered everything any of us has ever worried about. He looked it straight in the face. But he didn't stay dead. He didn't stay dead. He didn't stay suffering. He didn't stay in pain. He didn't stay abandoned. Scriptures teach us that on the third day, he rose again. And that resurrection gives us assurance and confidence of our own that one day we'll step from this life to the next. And just as Jesus didn't suffer forever, we won't suffer forever. Just as he wasn't abandoned forever, we won't be alone. We won't be isolated. We won't be afraid. We won't be anxious. We won't be worried forever. We're going to step into a place and a time where he is on the throne even more fully than he is today. It will be realized in the things of this world, the worries, the, everything we've ever worried about will be gone. And it'll be us and him forever. And you say, that sounds great, but man, I'm worried right now in the here and now. And here's what's awesome about Jesus. Anything he asks of us, he gives us what we need. He doesn't go, hey, go build that and not give us the tools. He always gives us what we need. And so not only does he give us this great hope for the future and this great example of himself to live up to, he gives us help. He gives us help from his word. He gives us help from his people. Hello, small group, somebody, we've talked about it. He gives us support. He gives us his spirit. Jesus, I mean, I think sometimes it'd be so cool to walk around with Jesus. Jesus says, it's better that I leave the planet and send my spirit to be with you. If you're in Christ, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. You need more of that spirit, that spirit that comforts, that spirit that leads, that spirit that, that helps us, uh, leads us to truth when our mind and our hearts want to lead us into lies. Jesus doesn't just look at us worrying and say, stop it and leave us to ourselves. He gives us what we need to accomplish what he requires. So here's the question this morning. What are you worried about? And I don't mean that like, what are you worried about? I mean, like, what are you worried about? What are you worried about? And this morning is an opportunity to remind your heart and your mind that whatever you're worried about is probably beyond your control. And there's a God that you can trust that you can give it to. 
can ask for his help. God, I need your help. I need faith. I need, I need help. I am worried. I am anxious. I am afraid. And he's faithful to hear your cry and to bend down and to help you right where you're at. Would you stand with me across this room? If you're here this morning and you want to come and pray, we don't do it every week, but man, by all means, come and find a place at the front here at the altars and pray or grab somebody's hand and go pray with them. Jesus, this morning, we're, we're like David in the Psalms. It said, search me, God, know my heart. Test me, try me, find my anxieties, know my anxious thoughts. And see if there's any wickedness in me, Lord, and lead me in the way everlasting. God, we're praying this morning you'd help us to realize and recognize what it is that we're anxious about so that we can give it to you and trust you afresh and anew. We recognize people are really suffering and struggling with this. God, we pray for healing. We pray for a miracle. We pray that you would touch them. But in the meantime, help them to control what they can control. Help them to focus on you and seek you first and and think rightly about the things they're anxious about. Meet with us, Lord, we pray. In your son's name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For questions, prayer requests, and more information, please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com.